This is the Acting Up Podcast with your host, Allie Goodman. Hey, friends. Wow, it has been quite a while since I've updated this podcast and it's just been it's it's been it's been a it's been a while and there's a lot been a lot going on we've all been through a lot it's been a very weird year plus I'm I'm here because I I feel like I want to share the experience that I'm going through as I'm kind of as I'm going through it I've mentioned before in previous episodes that I have depression. I've been on medication for it. I have um, anxiety. I've been on medication for that. And I have never found the medications to really do anything for me. Um, I've tried various ones. Sometimes they sort of smooth the edges out, but that's really the extent of it. And I don't feel like on a long-term basis they've ever really done me good. At, At the same time, I I I could honestly tell you that without the medication that I had been taking, and I've been on uh, fluoxetine, I was taking sertraline for a while, which helped the anxiety but didn't help the depression. And then uh, the fluoxetine has been is supposed to be helping the depression. I don't think it's been helping as much as I wanted it to, and it's been it's been a problem. So I've been and I've been on other medications in the past, and I basically have lived my whole life in some semblance of anxiety or depression and I never knew like how to how to manage it and I honestly didn't think it was that bad um, because I was functional you know I could do I could I could still get things done what I didn't realize and I think I'm still discovering is I actually have been suffering for a, a lot longer in a, in a deeper way than I even recognized And some of that came to light during the pandemic and, you know, being stuck in the house and basically sheltering in place most of the time. Um, I was the only one that actually left our house. Like, there's so many things. My kids have been, you know, we go out in the backyard, maybe walk around the neighborhood, but I really haven't, they haven't gone inside any stores. They haven't even gone to their grandparents' house, like nothing. I've kept them very safe. They don't go to school, like nothing. And I, you know, me the same. And you could think that like, okay, that could, that could help trigger depression. That could make it worse. And I think for a very long time, I used that as the excuse. And while all of this was going down, I was still seeing a therapist and my therapist is trauma therapist. And which brings me to my what happened is I right before the pandemic had hit, I had talked to this to this therapist about the possibility of going to like a trauma clinic, because I could tell that my depression was really bad. And I wasn't functioning as well as I could. And I was really scared that it was going to get worse. Like, I would have these cycles of depression that I would go down, but I would usually come back, you know, and if I went down and was down for a long time and by a long time I mean like more than a couple of days it was usually based on some sort of a traumatic event that had actually happened it made sense that I was having depression after I you know was pregnant and we thought we were gonna have a baby and this was just before Jordan and 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 the baby didn't have a heartbeat like that broke me at 12 you know when I went in for the 
12-week scan or whatever. I mean, that's, you know, and so it made sense that I was really depressed. So there are things like that that I, I kept going back to thinking, okay, th these are the things, you know. I couldn't come up with anything other than everybody's going through basically everyone else is going through hell too. So it makes sense that I'm depressed and it makes sense that I can't get out of this depression. And the more I kept meeting with my therapist, it became really clear to me that my original idea of going away was probably actually a, a good idea. But I couldn't do that now. So what do I do? Because I'm stuck in this situation where, I mean, first of all, I couldn't leave my husband to take care of both boys like that would have just been horrible and we don't have anybody else to help right now my dad is severely immunocompromised my mom could only come up and stay outside with my kids and she would wear a mask you know obviously the whole time and you know there was no there was no safe way to do this and and family the same thing my my brother lives next door but I still couldn't I couldn't you know, they were going, you know, they were seeing friends or they were working or whatever. I just could, and they have kids who are teenagers who were going out and seeing people. I just couldn't chance it. So I just, I didn't have a good solution. And I happened to be watching TV one day, happened to, I noticed that they were talking about psychedelics and treating depression and PTSD. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And so I watched this whole episode and it was really interesting. And they had, studied three different types of psychedelics that they were using uh, in clinical trials. Specifically, they were looking at depression, but they were also talking about PTSD and, and anxiety and stuff as well. And um, they followed these three different stories and these three different people. And I was actually really excited about the MDMA, which is the street name being Molly or Ecstasy, thinking, well, that's an interesting thing, but they're not out of clinical trials yet. The other one they had was, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, psilocybin, which is basically mushrooms. And I thought, well, that's actually seems the most easy, like, because you can, you know, grow them, and then you put them into pills, and then you, you know, whatever, and you can microdose, and it's supposed to, like, over time really help. But I also have kids, and I, I just felt like that was a, a labor-intensive thing that I couldn't even imagine doing right now. I can barely get out of bed right now. So, like, cultivating my own mushrooms just felt like not possible um and if you know me I can't keep anything I can't grow anything so I was I was less thinking that that was a possibility and the last one was ketamine um and if you've heard of ketamine you might have heard the street drug is special k but ketamine originally was has been used well I think they originally used it as a horse tranquilizer but like nobody talks about that um but it's been used as an anesthetic for years uh in in hospitals surgeries blah 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 it's fairly well uh, handled by people throughout and they do this thing and again I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying I'm not a doctor I'm not a scientist I am a mom I am an actor and I am just going by the science that I am reading about so your mileage may vary but this is what I learned uh, that <laughs> ketamine uh, it basically goes into your brain and where there are like damaged spots and the damage just can happen from like a TBI or it can happen which is a traumatic brain injury or it can happen from PTSD or in my case complex PTSD um, which basically means uh, being put in a, in a in a in a situation where you're being forced into a PTSD experience over time it's usually abuse is is considered if childhood abuse is usually considered uh, complex PTSD so whereas PTSD is more like if you get in a car accident and you can't stop reliving that experience. With complex PTSD, it's like there's so many experiences and they just cycle, cycle, cycle through your brain over and over again. And you just sort of learn that's how you cope, uh, which is what I did. And 
when the uh, when when ketamine started being used clearly for anesthesia, it wasn't known that it was going to be a, de- a depre- work from depression and work for PTSD and work for anxiety and all that. Um, that was sort of a, a, oh, lucky us. We just learned this about this. And so it became what they call an off, off-brand use. And so they started doing clinical trials and they figured out that it does, does work. And so even though it's technically approved and it's being used in clinics now, insurances don't cover it because it's not what the original intent of the medicine was supposed to be used for, I guess. I don't know all the – I could be 100% wrong about this, but that's what I was reading about, and that's what it said. So long story short, my insurance doesn't cover it. So that can be a real, you know, problem um, because it can be really expensive. But I I decided that I was going to look into this because I had heard over – I've been reading, you know, different things over time, and, and they kept saying psychedelics, you know, seem to be really helping people, and they, and they seem to be really helping people with depression and with PTSD and all of this. And I thought, hmm, let me put in some research. So I did. I, I looked around, I, I you know, and I, I Googled, you know, um, Chicago clinical trials, depression, blah, blah, blah. And actually what popped up was this clinic that's in the city that does – ketamine therapy and long story short there's a lot of different ways that ketamine can be administered the most common is that if you're going through a clinic I should say the most common is uh intravenous so you have like a an IV drip and it sort of uh, gives you this experience over time like over a period of time through an IV there's also sublingual which is under your tongue, and then there's also a nasal spray. And the, and then there's the one that I do, which is intermuscular, which is basically like getting an injection, like getting a vaccine. And and there's a lot of – I might go into more about why this particular place chooses this over another one, but it's not necessarily important. But point is you go in, you go through this experience, and then the idea is that uh, with – with the help of a therapist that they have integrated into this, which is why it was a, I really liked this particular clinic because it's not just we give you this, you go through the experience and then you're sent on your way. They actually work on uh, you work with therapists there and integrate your experience with them, which is really important, I think. And it's also very helpful because you also know somebody's there and they're watching out for you and they have your best interests at heart and you never feel alone. You just feel really safe. Um, and that was really important to me because if you don't know what psychedelics are, and I've never done psychedelics before, I've never done ecstasy, I've never done LSD, you know, I've never done any of the things that, you know, mushrooms, I've never done any of them. I've always been too afraid because I'd always heard really bad stories about people having terrible trips, especially people who have abusive pasts. And I was really scared that I'd be like, whacked out for eight hours just going through some horrible experience with like other whacked out you know acid dropping people with me you know friends or whatever but like nobody really able to take care of me this is so not that experience and you're not and you're not tripping for eight hours you're tripping for like an hour in a very controlled environment which brings me to uh making the decision that I was going to do this and the process to get there you know they take you through a a very intensive screening process there's a lot you know you you meet with two different therapists and you know you have to fill out all of these forms and all these medical forms and et cetera et cetera and they really encourage you to have a therapist that you're seeing after this experience um and I have one so that was good and they talked which I thought was really great so um and everyone was on board and everybody thought this was a good idea the one thing that I remember from my intake which is with a therapist that actually doesn't even 
have anything to do with this clinic. They they actually contracted out uh, the 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 screening therapist because they don't want any bias to have you you know think they're trying to you know talk you into it. So this way they have somebody that's a completely impartial person, which I loved. And uh, he basically said something to me, and it just stuck with me. He said at the end, he said, "I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna recommend that that they go forward with this with you." And then he said, "You, you deserve to not have to suffer every day." Oh. And I thought, "Oh my God! Like, is that what I'm doing? Like, is that is it that bad? Am I suffering every day?" And I, you know, I did all those justifications. I, I thought, well, you know, we're all in a pandemic. We're all, we're all suffering every day. We all have our kids at home. We're all going through, you know, craziness. I mean, you read a story every day, you know, whatever, saying, you know, this mom, this dad, this kid, this whatever, I stressed out and, you know, can't see their friends and all of that. And I thought, you know, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm making too much of this. And yet his words really stuck with me. So I kind of held on to that and rode that into my first, my first treatment. So I'm going to lay out for you basically what uh, – oh, I think I started to tell you about like, how ketamine goes into your brain and what it does. I'm sorry. Let me back up and say this. So ketamine, uh, you, there are damaged parts. And what the ketamine does is it takes a different pathway and it goes in and it kind of it, – it, it sort of patches up. Like it goes to the damaged parts and it kind of like helps to heal them. And it's kind of amazing. And the – and it helps you get out of this loop that you're in if you're in some sort of a fight or flight, which is often what happens with PTSD. It helps get the loops to stop and look at them in a different way. It, it, you kind of you just start to deal with the world differently is what they, how they describe it. And they even said, you know, your mileage may vary because everybody's body is different and everybody's response is different. So cool. So that's my good setup. The last piece I'll tell you is that um, prior to going in for my first injection session uh, I had a prep session so two of them actually so one where I meet the therapist and we talk and I sort of give her my rundown this is after I met the therapist that doesn't work there who <laughs> recommended me then I meet her and then we do a prep session which is like the day before or so I my going in this was done over zoom the only time that I was actually in the clinic so far has been the actual injection dates everything else is being done over virtual you know just for safety so uh, I had a prep session with her she asked me how I was feeling all that kind of stuff we went through all the feelings all the stuff all the questions anything I you know concerns about all of that and then just yesterday which was Tuesday I went in for my first exploration and I'm here to tell you about it so thank you for bearing with me to get there as I said, I've never done any kind of a psychedelic. So I was uh, a little nervous, a little unsure what I was going to be experiencing. I mean, I've seen the movie The Wall. I've seen <laughs> I've seen um, Alice in Wonderland. You know, I, I have an idea of what, you know, tripping it might look like, but I had no idea. The closest I've come is like pot, and I did cocaine once. So I didn't know. But I also know that I'm going in with this idea of trying to heal a lot of trauma. And I have a lot of trauma in my past. Uh, and I, I kind of went in there, you know, very curious, open-minded, which was the way that I was going and intending it. Uh, and I also had this thing that I told the therapist, which is, I don't know if this is going to work, but I know that I have to try it because I, 
something's got to give. Like something has to change. What's go- what I'm doing right now is not working. So something has to change and I want it to change so badly that I'm 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 willing to do something that seems a little wackadoo, which is like, "Hi, inject me with a <laughs> with a psychedelic and let's see if it heals my brain I mean I don't know how weird is that right but I was like I'm in you know um if you knew me in college you would be really shocked to hear that I was the person that went and did this but I I would be shocked I would never believe you if you told me that so basically it's it's really well done there's a nurse practitioner who administers the drug and the therapist is there in the room with you as you go through the experience. And so, and they have this, I mean, their clinic is amazing. I mean, again, every clinic is different, but this particular clinic was perfectly gorgeous. There's a nice recliner and I could put my feet up and I was under a, a weighted blanket. And then I had uh, earphones and they had music going and an eye mask. So I was very much sensory, you know, it was all about my experience. It wasn't about experiencing the world around me. Like it wasn't about being in that room. It was literally about being within myself, which I guess is different as uh, John was telling me that, you know, when he was tripped, like like street drug tripped, you know, with a dropping acid or whatever, that the whole idea is like you're dealing with the world around you or like friends were telling me that they one, – one guy was posting on my, my post about how um, – He's like, oh, yeah, I did ketamine and, you know, the dance floor, you know, looked like it was coming up at me or I had a really fun time when I did it, you know. And it, so it's a different experience when you're like doing it at a dance club and then when you're doing it just sort of encased in your own stuff because it is about delving into yourself, <laughs> which is uh, it's a thing. So I didn't know what to expect. Uh, they and they were a little concerned about the fact that I had never done a psychedelic before. So they wanted to give me a low dose to get me started. But they also prepped a second dose if I wanted to go deeper. So 15 minutes in after, you know, they took my vitals and you know, all that kind of good stuff. And they got me ready and I was ready to go. And they injected me. I knew they were going to come back. They left the cuff on me. Um, they were going to check and see if I was okay enough to take another dose and if I wanted it. So I had to be, both things had to be going at that point. I just sort of laid back and I thought, okay, here we go. Let's let's take this journey and see what happens. And the beginning of my journey was, it was really pleasant. Is about the best way I can put it. Uh, I felt my body so, just relax in a way that I don't remember it relaxing. Like I go to sleep, I fall asleep, but it's like it's like my body uh, falls into sleep, it collapses into sleep, it breaks down into sleep. This was not that. This was like the most like exhale of a breath that you just feel like the best and like a warm breeze and in the most beautiful perfect area you've ever been you know looking out at the sun or on the beach or on the ocean or on the mountains or wherever it is for you that's how my body felt and I was like and then I got a little nervous and I thought, I mean, because as a mom, you're always a little hypervigilant. Like you, you kind of always have one eye open for your kids. And I mean, they were nowhere around. They were in the suburbs and I was in the city. But, I, you know, they're usually somewhere, you know, in the in the in my mind. Um, it's very rare that I can zone and get them not there. And the times that I can do that are usually when I'm on set or I'm on stage or I'm uh, in the booth. And so uh, – it's it's rare that like just hanging out with somebody or doing something would just have me not have them on mind so I checked in and I was like okay you know how am I feeling about this and I was like hey I can't 
can't do anything about it. I bet they're fine. I'm sure they are. I'm sure if there's a problem, I'll hear about it. And it was like, ah, that's not how I live life. So the fact that I felt that way was just crazy um, in a good way. And I just kind of let it go. I was like, all right, here I am. I'm here. I'm going to be present for this. And it wasn't hard to do it. It was just it let me go there, which was amazing. So I felt like I was kind of skimming the surface of this experience. I was kind of gliding around on I mean actually I felt like I was gliding on an ocean um at one point I felt like I saw this big glacier that had a hole in it and I was like sliding through it and then I was I was in the ice and I was in the snow and it was felt really good like I was a polar bear in the snow which if you know me makes all the sense in the world uh but but Allie does not love snow so this was an odd experience (laughs) to have Uh, but I was just I was just really living for it and I was seeing all the colors and the crystals and the and the and the ice and it was just it was just a pleasant nice thing and then about 15 minutes into this the nurse practitioner came in and she checked my vitals again and she asked me because you have agency when you're there I mean yes you're under an eye mask and headphones but they break in with a microphone and they said you know Allie do you want to go deeper do you want another injection and I said yes like I didn't even hesitate because I knew that this was really lovely but if I'm here to do the work I'm here to do the work and I could tell that even then so she did she gave me um, another dose and it did it took me deeper so while I felt really probably like the best high I'd ever had <laughs> smoking pot or you know whatever or to, you know it, it was it was a high beyond it was like a happiest high ever um once I got the next injection it it like hit a new level and I went from being cognizant that I was in a room going through this experience to where it literally felt like the walls opened up and I was in a whole new area now I knew I knew that I was still in that room. I didn't feel like I was gone, but I I was there. It was like being in an IMAX movie where you literally feel like you're going or like if you've ever been on that ride at uh, Disney where I think it's called Soar, where you literally feel like you're flying because they the way that they make the – that's what it felt like. Like you know you're sitting in a chair. Like that's not going anywhere, but it feels like you're moving, and it's amazing. And that's kind of what it was. It was like I knew I was safe, but I was still going. And my brain has a tendency, apparently, I don't know if this will happen the next time, but my brain apparently has a tendency to make everything look like a movie. So I can't, I'm laughing about this because it's really funny because I kept looking at stuff going, wow, I wish I was a filmmaker. I wish I could make this actually like appear on screen for other people. And then I'm like, well, somebody's probably already done this because I feel like I'm moving with the dolly and then I'm tracking this way and the lens is going like this. It was very funny. Like I was such a dork. I was like a dork in my own uh, (laughs) ketamine experience. Uh, But the important part of this is that as I went deeper, one of the other major pieces of this is the music. So you're listening to music. And for me, music is a very powerful thing. Uh, music moves me. I write music. I, I've, music has been I, – I have really great relative pitch. Jackson has incredible relative pitch. And, you know, it's just, it's just a piece of me. And so I hear music in a way it really affects me. So I kind of allowed the music to sort of help me along this journey. I sort of let the music guide me. So if the music got really upbeat and, like, light, kind of my – my experience was a little more upbeat and light and if the music kind of got a little darker or like went you know deep I went with it uh 
I didn't see any reason to fight against it. It didn't. It, it didn't think it was going to help me to do that. Um, and sometimes it, you know, I, the music kind of fell away when the scenes came in. But for the most part, I was the, the any transitions or anything that was going on really was through the music, which is, I mean, really cool. So um, one of the at one moment, the music, the w- the one song ended and the next song started and it was a real booming intense sound and my whole body jolted uh and later on I asked the therapist if 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 she had seen that and she said yes and I was like oh my gosh you know that I felt that like I knew that it happened I felt my body jolt it was very interesting um so as I'm going through this and I'm, I'm seeing these beautiful scenes I'm going down through a like a miner's cave at one point and then it turned into a a, a water slide like one of those tunnel water slides um, that used to scare me when I was a kid, but I was like, I'm riding this wave. I'm going, like, literally riding the wave down. And I ended up, uh, the, the, when, I, when, when, when I hit that moment where the, it felt like the room opened up and I was looking up at this huge structure, this beautiful black and blue structure, almost like a big castle or like the wall of a castle outside with battlements and the whole thing. Uh, it wasn't that well defined, but that's the feeling of the, um, the ominous impression I was getting, you know, looking at it. And I, I, you know, I didn't stay there very long. And, you know, the, the scenes sort of morphed and moved a lot. And the music was helping that along. Um, I mean, at one point I ended up, and again, these are all out of order because I don't know exactly how these things, when these things happened. I just remember certain elements of it. At one point I <laughs> crawled inside of a, um, a knitted or a crocheted hat and I got so tiny I was in the fibers and I was following this yarn worm almost uh slithering up this hat on the inside and I was following it and I kept stopping and looking out the quote unquote windows the windows were the little like holes in the crochet or the knit and (laughs) yeah it's wild wild stuff um but I think the most important things that I that happened to me during this, there were maybe like four major moments. Um, that was that was a fun one. But I kept having a moment where I was like, "Okay, I'm here. I'm here to heal. Let's 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 get to the drama. Let's go drama." So I kind of like kept bringing into my brain like these moments of trauma, and wondering which one we're gonna, like. I, I wasn't upset about it. I was more like, "Hey, are we gonna are we gonna deal with this issue that I have with my dad? Are we gonna deal with this?" thing with my uncle or are we going to deal with this thing with you know um my childhood sexual abuse like are we going to deal with this thing with my you know ex-boyfriend uh you know and his domestic abuse like where are we going like which which trauma are we hitting today <laughs> like it's a cornucopia and uh I I kept trying to bring them in and they and it was like my brain was like nope we're not, nope we're not ready for that as a matter of fact when I sort of w- like went to my towards my dad and brought that in I didn't get anything other than this enormous cobalt blue glass structure of his head like emerging out of a rock wall and it was like looming large it didn't look angry it just was there and it was like I'm here I'm here, but we're not going here right now. I was like, all right. So then, you know, morphed away from that. And um, then at one point, I turned into this big pink blob, almost like a blimp with arms. And I was flying down um, along the ground, but I was flying. And I kept seeing all these people I loved. And I kept scooping them up to be with me. But I noticed that as I was doing that, I was doing it to take them away from the bad people 
people who were cruel or harsh or bad. And I would, I only got the face of one person that I knew, but all the other ones where I just knew it was all bad people otherwise. Um, and the one face that I saw that I was scooping people away from and did not scoop up with me was my uncle. You know, that I, I kind of followed that and I was like, okay, where are we going with this? And uh, all of a sudden everything changed and I was inside of a memory. Now this was the only memory, like real memory that I got. And it's important only because it's the one that came up and I think it's an important thing to ex- express because I think it, this is this is sort of where the rewriting of the script, if you will, comes. So um, I'll tell you the story and then I'll tell you why touching on this is so important uh, and where it came for me. So uh, when I was in college, I actually went to college late because I had sort of accumulated a couple of credits and I was working as an actor and I didn't have time to go back to school and blah, blah, blah. And I was supposed to go to school away in New York and I ended up not going and I stayed here and in Chicago and yeah, da, da, da. it's not important. The point is that I went back to school for college to finish my undergrad when I was 23. So I graduated at 26. So the memory I had was when I was at college and it was my final uh, cabaret show and and we could invite family and friends and they could come it was at Davenport's those of you who know Davenport's and we were there doing our show and this was this actually happened and one of the people who's a was a student in that school I, <laughs> I didn't clear with her if I could bring this up so I'm gonna I'm gonna fake a name we'll say Jennifer okay so Jennifer was beautiful woman in in our class and I mean long dark hair gorgeous skin, Latina, uh, you know, just absolutely stunning, statuesque, gorgeous woman. You know, you, you she turns heads. And I'm sure her whole life she's been objectified in that way. I mean, I'm sure she's known that. You know, just one of these people you just know is just absolutely, walks in the room is just stunning. Well, we were there. My parents were there and my uncle was there. My uncle is my dad's younger brother. And we were all sitting there uh, at the table and Jennifer walked by and under his breath my uncle made a really gross comment and he said something like yeah I could uh I could see taking that home that's ooh, that's beautiful or that's gorgeous I could do some things to that you know like something really gross like just you know and I'm the only one who heard it I think I think it was being said for my benefit uh and and just to like caveat my uncle and I were very close like we had a really good relationship uh I thought my dad is not really someone who's approachable with life questions sometimes, especially embarrassing ones. And my, my mom was always encouraging me to go talk to him because he lived, you know, with like not with us, but he lived, you know, in the same building as us. And he's somebody easy to talk to and da 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 da, da. So long story short, we had, we had a really good relationship, I thought. And I didn't want to jeopardize anything. And I, I didn't want to – I think I was at a point in my life at that point at 26 where I was like – just just play along everything's playing along you know it doesn't matter that it that your immediate reaction was like it oh it like got punched me in the stomach here he was like talking about one of my friends this way and then I I remember I turned and looked at him and he kind of like smiled and I was like (laughs) and I kind of like laughed and turned away like oh yeah yeah I hear you you know I might have even said something like that I think about it now and I'm like so ashamed about it but you know hindsight 2020 however we got to this point in my in my ketamine journey where this memory came up 
And again, like this was such a blip on the radar of my of my traumatic life that I was like, really? We're in this number? Okay, let's see where we go. And that happened. But instead of me just sort of laughing it off and kind of agreeing with him, instead, I stood up. This is in the ketamine journey. And I grabbed Jennifer and I linked an arm with her and I looked at him and I said, no, no, you will not talk about women that way. You will not look at women that way and you will not express that. No. And I linked arms, I linked arms with her and walked out. And of course, when I got to the door, it morphed into a different scene. But that's the only like clear memory. And I remember when I got out, I was like, when I came out of the journey, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute, but I was like, really? Like, that, that's like, I mean, that's like nothing compared to all the other stuff that I could talk about here. Why, why that memory with him? I mean, I have a very, very intense horrifying traumatic memory with my uncle and, and, and why this one this wasn't it like this was not anywhere close to that why this memory and it was really interesting because uh, as I was thinking about it and as I was talking it over with John talking over with the therapist we were like well that was the place that I didn't I, I could have established some healthy boundaries and I didn't and maybe my, my brain wanted to go back and say, you know, had you established a healthy boundary here, maybe the next traumatic thing that happened wouldn't have happened, which was, like, mind-blowing. And then my friend Megan was like, Allie, you know, also it was your first experience. It's probably like if you went to the really deep, dark places, you probably wouldn't come back. <laughs> I'm like, you, know, you might be right. <laughs> maybe my first time out needed to be a little less, in, like, intense. Like, we, we can handle this one. So, uh, um, yeah, I was really, ooh, it was really amazing. And uh, so let me talk about what it's like to come out of it. I was also really anxious about coming out because I, I didn't know if I was coming out or if I was going deeper. I couldn't tell if the level was getting, if I was going further, if I was coming. I couldn't because I didn't know. I had never navigated this. So it was brand new to me. So I kept thinking, am I coming, am I waking up? Uh, no no the music's still going I'm still seeing things and I was like well am I waking up like it kept doing that and I think it kind of halted some of my end of my journey so the the long and the short of it is that I came out of it the therapist was there and she saw me and I was moving my feet and I was moving my fingers and she asked me how I was and I opened my eyes and I was still really woozy which is very common I actually I should I should say that I took Zofran per the nurse practitioner because I get motion sick and so this was a way to quell some of the nausea which I I was lightheaded and a little woozy dizzy I didn't quite have the nausea I think because I was smart and took the Zofran in, in advance so um if you were like me and you decide to do this I highly recommend taking something first um you know per them so that was really nice so I did that and then um so as I was coming out I could still see like the People talked about like the walls moving or the ceiling. Moving. I could see the ceiling moving. <laughs> so I was like, hey, that's, I'm not 100% like clear of this yet. Uh, but it, I, was, I was lucid enough that I could talk. And I was super chatty. And I was telling her all these different things that I saw. I told her about my uncle and that experience. And the reason that I was so surprised that that was the memory that decided to come up. And, you know, there's so many other deeper memories that I could have thought about. And, uh, you know, just kind of like blah, 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 whatever I saw. 
And then that was really it. And then they, they sort of give you like a place to sit and kind of relax. I was allowed to use their art supplies. And so I, I don't, I don't, I'm not the artist in the, in the family. John is. And, um, but I was like, hmm, I kind of feel like using some watercolors. So I actually ended up making a picture of the big pink uh, being that I was at one point and I was scooping up those people. But I also put in the picture uh, sort of this dark blue colored looming large thing. That color kept coming up throughout. And uh, first place I saw it was what looked like that castle kind of thing. But it kept that ominous dark blue kept coming back so I, I thought that must mean something I don't know what maybe nothing I don't know but I, I I painted that too so that I took that home with me um I got to I got to go home with a, a journal and all these things and and I really did like I, I followed all the you know the steps of what you're supposed to do like I, I you know ate I really didn't get on social media I really kind of just relaxed and I journaled and wrote about it and then yeah and then I went to sleep and I did take a nap when I got home I will tell you that it was I needed it <laughs> which is not uncommon apparently but that was really my experience and the most important thing about it is less about yesterday and more about today I have and I, I almost hesitate to say this because it sounds like it's been like this big cure it's not like it's not I I have felt more centered and more my and more like a human being like a human living than I have ever felt that I can remember feeling and I mean maybe I've had this a few times in my life but it's never lasted this long it's always been like a short amount of time but like my whole day has been very pleasant I've had a fairly pleasant day and even with my husband not feeling good you know John was he was having headaches and stuff and I was like hey don't worry about it I got the kids like that's not something that I have said to him without resentment and frustration because the idea of being with the kids for an hour is insurmountable actually um and I know that sounds crazy but it is like I can handle one kid and I can be present a little bit and but I can't really and I'm this is the first time I was like all right I got it you know hey I'll even give him dinner that doesn't ever happen uh John go lay down I never say that to him he says that to me I never say that to him that was huge for me the whole day has been like this I've never had this I haven't had this much energy uh I I, I'm I'm like worried because it it feels good and I'm like worried it's gonna the shoe's going to drop, you know? I should also say that I don't expect every experience in the ketamine treatment center to be this good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am aware that I'm there for some pretty deep, dark stuff, and I am aware that it's probably going to come up um, now that I've had that experience and I've touched something lighter and not so dark because it's my very first time. <laughs> so, yeah. Ooh, I feel like I've been talking for a while. Oh, I have. Look at that. Uh, anyway, I I want to say that I am so, so excited about this journey. And it really has helped that I went in kind of um, like my last straw. Like going, hey, you know, I've tried everything that I can think of, that I can afford, that I can do. And I mean, I have to do something. Something has to give. I, I, hmm. I hesitate to say this, but I honestly think it's true. I think I was 
way, way worse than I was even allowing myself to admit. And I think I'm still, like, I don't think this is, like, over. I've had one ketamine experience. It's not over. But I, uh, if this is even a glimpse of what it's going to feel like, if this is how the rest of you get through the world, oh, my God, this is amazing. I'm... I can't believe my whole day has been. I didn't even get that much sleep last night. My kids, both of them were up like multiple times. My husband was snoring. Like I did not sleep. So it's not like I got this great night of sleep or anything. No, it was like a bad night of sleep. And I still feel the most regulated and centered that I've, I can ever remember feeling. That I, I'm just being honest with you all. Again, mileage may vary. Everybody's different. I don't know what tomorrow is going to be, um, which brings me to my next point. Is I, I, I have My protocol is I will have six ketamine injections, two a week for three weeks, and then in between our integration sessions, which is where you meet with the therapist. In my case, I meet on Zoom, and we talk through the experience and how I'm feeling the next day and or however many days it's been or whatever, and, and we go through it that way. And yeah, that's that was my day one of six. And I really uh, had a lot of people that were interested in, in hearing about this. So I figured I would share and share what it was like for me. And I'm super happy to take any questions. Uh, if you have any, you can, you know, message me or you can comment under. I'm sure I'll post this on Facebook or whatever. And you can comment underneath and ask me. I'm happy to talk about it. But I, I really feel like I made the right choice. And that, to me, kind of makes all the difference. It, it makes it all it's, oh my god it makes sense I don't know we'll see how I am after tomorrow's experience um anyhow I again thank you all for your support thank you for your love thank you for listening this is a much longer episode than I usually do but I really appreciate your sticking with me and um again I'm here for any questions or anything you have to say um you can find me on Facebook uh, Allie Goodman or I think I have a page still I think it's uh acting acting up with Allie Goodman yeah let's say that's what it is <laughs> and uh and and Twitter I'm at uh, at Allie underscore Goodman and that's pretty much it y'all <sighs> okay deep breath this I'll just take it one day at a time one minute at a time sometimes even one second at a time and um just hang in there solidarity my friends I love you. 